Welcome to Talks News and this randomly generated spontaneous episode. I didn't really plan on doing a Sunday regularly, recording on a Sunday, um, but this Ben Shapiro video came out and it hit me right, right in the feels. And so I, I don't know, I just couldn't ignore it. I can't ignore it. Um, ben Shapiro says plenty of things that myself and likely others uh, feel is offensive. Now, to show a bit of my privilege here, this is probably the most offensive video Ben Shapiro has ever made in my own personal taste. And that's why I decided to record this episode. Spontaneously happenstance. Um, I think this video dropped last night from his Friday episode podcast. And it's called Popular Hollywood Movies That Are Accidentally Conservative. I love movies so much. And looking into movie subtext um, and interpreting movies, watching movies, enjoying movies, replaying movies, movies. And Ben Shapiro here, um, yeah, <laughs> tries to insert conservatism uh, claim on a bunch of movies or to make people interested in watching them for their conservative values rather than the merit of the film itself. Um, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that more. Um, but, uh, I just think it's hitting me right in the feels and I, I had to do this. Not sure if there's any ads that I have to skip forward through, but, uh, uh, let's just, let's just dive right in. We're going to be talking about why so many of your favorite movies are secretly conservative. Just want to give a shout out to our friends over at Raycon for sponsoring this video. You want the best pair of wireless oh, earbuds? It's right there. Kelly. John Krasinski. Hold on. Huge. The ones. Hi, I'm John Krasinski, and I'm hosting SNL with Machine Gun Kelly. Big week. Huge week. But no pressure, though. You better be funny. Who doesn't love John Krasinski? It makes sense. There's lots of love about John Krasinski. People love The Office. Everybody loves Jim. And of course, he made a delightful little at-home news show that went viral during the pandemic. He's the type of dude that seems to resonate with Americans of all types. I think one of the reasons why people like him is because of the not-so-obvious conservative values in some of his movies, particularly in Acquire. Which is like a weird reason for like, I don't think too many people like sat there and thought, hmm, John Krasinski has these like really subliminal conservative messaging in his stuff. And I think that's why I like him, not because of his acting or the enjoyment of his characters or the work he produces, which is OK. Like it just seems so contrived to think that that would be like anybody's preference on actors. Like, I feel like the only way that would really fit. It was if like his uh he if he was talking about Nick Offerman just because Nick Offerman like really pro like portrays that like uh conservative dad almost or like a libertarian dad, so um like the whole Ron Swanson character and then he had uh that comedy special which is like uh, rules to marriage or rules to something man Nick Offerman had a pretty great stand up special which you know um. I guess you could attribute him to like some conservative values and certain jokes that he had made. Um, Jeff Foxworthy is probably like closer to the idea of somebody really liking someone because of their heritage or social identity. Um, wh where what what was that special called? I can't believe it just doesn't display his specials immediately as soon as you Google Nick Offerman. Uh, American Harm, no. Uh, come on, man. Just give me the, the names of them so I can move on. 
I, but I want you guys to check out, ch ch check it out. Where did it go? Nope, 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 nope. Yeah, we all know he's in. All right, I can't find it. It has something to do with like, it had something about American ham in it. Yeah, right there. I think that was it, actually. Uh, his special from uh, Netflix is called American Ham. And he had, like, some rules going into it, and it has a lot of him doing woodworking. So, like, I, for a caricature, I feel like he's more perfect. But for, like, John Krasinski, we're stretching it a little bit here. And just, it, it seems contrived, like, planned out specifically for this segment. You know, Quiet place. But, and that got me thinking about relevant. some other Hollywood projects that have some kind of sneaky, under-the-radar conservative qualities that happen to be widely celebrated by the left, unintentionally. I'm going to show you what I mean with a few really recent movies. The endings of these... I don't know if there's like this real divide between liberals and conservatives with like hollywood and enjoyment of movies um but what i find fascinating here is that he said there's sneaky conservative values as if there's like a you know like illuminati type messaging or just like reaching out and being like conservatism is actually our ideology that we spread inside of these movies like what come on like everybody's free to interpret movies and you're allowed to your own interpretation of movies but to think that like it is the intent of the directors or if it's like just uh not even like accidental claim of conservatism that's just it's so ridiculous i like i couldn't these ignore this are the parts that best exemplify the values so i'm just warning it out these are big spoilers for all of the movies we're about to discuss if you don't want to know what happens, jump ahead to the next film that you've already seen or jump all the way ahead to the part where I tell you why so many movies generally are conservative, even though they don't mean to be. Let's start with A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place was released to overwhelmingly positive reviews. John DeFore from Hollywood Reporter said, quote, scenes of what passes for ordinary life, let the screenplay focus on mom and dad's attempts to educate their son and daughter while never letting them forget how dangerous their lives are. One thinks of what we hear from parents of black boys, raising them to be normal and happy, but hypervigilant about the way they are perceived by others. That's a pretty wild and deep read right there from The Hollywood Reporter. This is a black thing, isn't it? The I mean, it makes sense for like Ben Shapiro not necessarily to relate to that or if it was just kind of like, um, I don't know, an unnecessary... Uh, 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 I'm not sure like bringing up social issues is ever unnecessary, but like it just might have turned off certain readers. I don't, I don't care. But like the thing is, is that that does happen is that um, black parents are in much more volatile areas, low income poverty, crime, stuff like that happens. And so they have to educate their children on the dangers of life. Whereas like Ben Shapiro was raised in a very probably stable neighborhood in a stable community with a stable family. Like just saying, um, but yeah, um, I didn't read that necessarily too much in the movie. Cause that's not where my head went, but that's where the writer who wrote that review, that's where their head went. Um, yeah. Box office on this movie. Enormous. It was a very low budget film. It made 340 million bucks at Ooh. the box office. Numbers that are not going to be paralleled in the, the, the post-COVID era. For those who haven't seen the movie, there's a family that has to live in silence because there are these mysterious aliens that hunt by sound. So any sound draws the aliens, knowing that even the slightest whisper or footstep can bring death. Evelyn and Lee, those are the parents, are determined to find a way to protect their kids while desperately searching for a way to fight back. The very beginning of the film, this isn't really a spoiler, it's literally in the first three minutes of the film. They have a very young child, they, they are trying to walk into town to get food in this post-apocalyptic era. And the little kid basically gets eaten by an alien. So now 
mom and dad have to decide, are they going to have more kids? And they do. They get pregnant. They decide to have the kid, despite the fact that it puts everybody at risk. There was some flack out there for Emily Blunt's character being with child in a horror apocalyptic setting, but those reactions miss the actual deeply profound nature of the story. The entire concept of the yeah, I mean, I agree with Ben Shapiro on that point, like being upset about her being pregnant, like that's a major plot line that actually gave the movie a lot of weight. Like, can you imagine trying to raise a child in an environment where as soon as a noise is made, dead? Like, you know, some people might have the personal choice of like, why would I want to try to raise a child in that environment? Um, but like, the thing is, is that if we're going to survive an alien apocalypse, I think our species has to perpetuate itself. Um, and then there's also, you know, love. People love raising kids, love having kids. And no matter the dire straits that they see forward, they're going to raise their kid in whatever struggle that they have to deal with. But, oh, man, just trying to claim this as a sole conservative value. It's so conservative because it's gatekeeping is what essentially Ben Shapiro's inserting a little bit into these movies. But it, I guess in his own way, too, he's trying to open the gates to conservatives to watching some of these movies or even feeling like they should be looking for aspects of conservatism being represented uh, represented on the f screen. Even though now Ben Shapiro has like a media company solely d driven to create conservative media, like including films. And I don't know, I haven't seen his run, hide, fight film, but... As soon as it's like two ninety nine or maybe even free, I'll check it out. The film is rooted in the risk that is going to take place in the last third of the film when mom actually has the baby. <laughs> this is about the idea that even when you have a pretty good reason not to have a kid, you should still have a kid and take life-altering risk in order to have that kid. So, so the conservatism in this movie is kind of preachy then, isn't it? That, like, you shouldn't have the individual choice of whether or not you want to raise a kid in such an environment. It, it, it should just come down upon you as your responsibility that that's what you have to do. Sounds like exactly like conservatism is that you have to have a nuclear family because you have to. It, ha it, it perpetuates the species and you love that child, you have to. Unintentionally, the movie's incredibly pro-life. Okay, but that, that is not the only mainstream Hollywood film that has received all sorts of critical plaudits and is actually pretty conservative. Hey, how about Soul? So Soul just came Ooh. out as the new Jamie. I really like Soul. I thought it was a pretty good movie, but um, oh man, I I don't even see like really any much ideology represented in Soul except for you know the whole individual freedom, and then on top of it, I don't really see like the afterlife thing having too much of a religious agenda. It's kind of just part of the plot to, um, you know intersect the story between uh the metaphysical and reality um because like i don't know the whole like trying to find the metaphysical beauty in life can be pretty difficult and so getting an imagination of it was pretty cool i really like soul it was a good movie and it ended pretty good um i thought the ending was going to be a little different i thought something a little different would happen but i'm not going to talk about it no spoilers on this side boy amy fox pixar movie the film is about a new york jazz pianist named joe he suddenly finds himself trapped in a strange land between Earth and the afterlife when he falls down a manhole and apparently dies. In trying to hold back his own death with whatever it takes, he ends up stumbling into the great before in a magical reinterpretation of life beyond Earth. There is a system where unborn souls exist. These unborn souls have value. They've existed well before childbirth. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interests before they go to Earth. They're given a spark, which is a passion, as the final touch. And then... 
They are placed into human bodies. Life exists both before and after life. And before a child is born, there is life. And before and after people die, there's life. These are extremely religious and conservative concepts. There's no way to watch. <laughs> no. No, because I mean, like, that's even part of like the Buddhist, like, no, that, that your soul is always existing and is part of the karmic cycle and you were set to go through the cycle. Like, no, no, he, he can't make claim on the idea that souls exist. Come on. Like, that's no. Come on, dude. No. And the thing is that I got like a little vibes from that movie was like the idea of a simulation simulacra. I went the uh, the other way from Ben Shapiro because when they said that they had created their forms to ex like exist like so that um, Jamie Foxx's mind could comprehend them, they took forms that his mind was able to comprehend. And that kind of gave me like this weird vibe, like it's all kind of part of a game and uh, just this this simulation idea that like these creatures that are in the, you know, with the whole movie being CG, like cartoons, it even kind of gives it that digitized feel. You don't necessarily see too much magic. I mean, like some of the characters look like they're moving through Earth like they're uh, in Tron or in like a 2D video game. And they, they are 2D, basically. And so like it gave me more simulation vibes that like once we uh download from earth we go up into uh the 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 greater motherboard or whatever or the it, just the uh the the pos beyond or the 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 os beyond and then we all go into the same hard drive basically because even so like it doesn't have christian values because what you're supposed to do is your soul actually goes into this giant light that is like basically the all and everybody becomes part of the all and so like it's not a heaven thing it's not a hell thing everybody goes in on the same conveyor belt to the big all and so making claim that souls exist is a thing and say that's a conservative value shuts off like any other religion that exists any other theology any kind of animism like all of that is just shut on the door on that so, like, he's making claim to things as they're conservative, as if, like, conservatism isn't this evolved, like, evolved version of, like, cultures of past or, you know, slightly changed cultures of today. So watch soul and go, OK, yeah. And then if you believe that the soul is implanted in the in the body of the fetus from conception, which presumably is what's happening, that and then he does that. Like, we have no idea when the soul actually goes into the body, whether or not it's, like, as soon as the, 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 the seed is planted, as soon as the heart beats, or as soon as the baby comes out. The movie does not get into that. So him presuming that the soul goes into the body to go into a fetus, not even a fetus, because he's saying at conception, so it would go into an embryo. No. Like, the movie makes no basis for that. None. That, no. No. If you believe that's what's happening, that you should go ahead and have an abortion. It's a very pro-life film. People who have made... Here's the thing about the souls, too, is that if they, if they like, try to leave without having their spark or their, I guess, the body that they're supposed to go into, or if they're basically out of bounds of the rules, then they just pop right back up. There's, like, not, not any death in the beyond. So, like, again, like, if the, if the embryo, right, like, before nine weeks is aborted, then maybe the soul doesn't go down in and, uh we're playing in a hypothetical imaginary world where the rules can be anything 
it doesn't go into the embryo or the embryo scrambled up and it goes back to be placed into yet another soul so or another body like the, the they made a point of that like that you can't basically die in the beyond and there's no way that they're going to make a mistake to put it in an embryo when in nine weeks like it's not even going to be a fetus till then so like this whole thing just even trying to put rules on a movie that made its own rules is fucking ridiculous made it i'm not to realize that but it just is arrival that's another film that received overwhelmingly oh. positive reviews i love arrival it is so good go check it out it is good it is completely anti-american foreign policy but um it is a very good movie i can't make a i can't make an actual argument that it's anti-american po foreign policy but like you know as soon as we can't understand each other i'll point the guns it's a good movie though it's a really good movie because like most alien movies are like earth getting invaded decimated and then we bring it back with the independence day but with arrival like it's all about diplomacy and like all they all the aliens did was actually come with a message and it's a great fucking movie mara reinstein from us weekly wrote the sci-fi r.i.p to the writer and director of that movie i believe uh they passed away, I think, two years ago. Not familiar with their name because it's super foreign and foreign names are hard for me, sorry. But uh, RIP, and I respect the work that uh, they put out because Arrival is fantastic. A thriller not only subverts expectations in brilliant ways, it explores deeply felt themes of life, loss, and love. The box office on Arrival, $200 million at the box office, eight Academy Award nominations and one win. So the Academy is very much twice. into wokeness. Right. The Academy loves the woke. So why exactly did they love this film? Why did so many people love this film on the left? That makes no sense when you actually look at the movie. theme of the film. So for those who missed it. He's, it's as if like everything is literally political all the time. Like then that they hand out awards just to dunk on the conservatives. It's a good movie. Like, wow. I, I didn't go into it thinking like, oh, man, that movie had some really great liberal ideas or man, those conservative values really got me convinced in starting a nuclear family with a white picket fence. Like, no, man, I, th I thought about time. I thought because the movie is about time and how we perceive it, like and how we perceive enemies and how we perceive the other. Like, come on, dude. It's it's even like myopic to go like where's the conservatism in this like the film you're cutting yourself off from greater value. Follows a linguistics professor named Louise Banks. She works with the military to communicate with alien life forms after mysterious spacecraft appear around the world. With nations on the verge of global war, Banks and her crew are racing against time to find a way to communicate with the extraterrestrials. It's a really sophisticated and interesting film. Now during the film, we keep seeing what we think are flashbacks of Louise with her daughter. Right, from birth through a short childhood and up until her daughter dies at a young age from a fatal disease. And you think that these are flashbacks, that, that Louise, because she has experienced this pain, she now has the capacity to speak to the aliens in a different way and see the world in a different way. Okay, but that's not actually what happens in the film. Those are flash forwards. That because Louise is communicating with the aliens and the aliens have the capacity to see into the future, Louise knows throughout the process that she is going to have a child and that the child is going to die at... See, he's even like really simplifying it because like the way that their language goes is we write in sentences. So like this whole thing fucking blew my mind. We write in sentences, which basically means we move left to right, similar into the same way that we uh, that we perceive our time is that we go from the beginning to the end. And sometimes you can look back at what you wrote, right? The past, it's there, but the future is always being written. 
So it isn't there yet. So we, we're not able to really perceive it. Maybe we can predict it off of the, the word before it, but we can't actually know it. But the aliens write in this really complex way in circles. And so what that means, at least in the context of the movie, is the way that they are perceiving time is actually more of a circle. So it's not even just looking into the future, but also into the past. And it's not necessarily as if any of it is separate. It's all just part of one thing. It's a magnificent movie. And I spoiled a lot of it, but like that part really fucked me up and he undercut it so hard at an early age and she knows that if she gets together with uh, this other guy working with her who's played by jeremy renner that she's going to have this kid this kid is going to live suffer and then die and she decides to go through with it anyway i have not seen a more pro-life message in any movie because one of the great themes of the pro-choice movement is life is not worth living if you are going to have a kid who is going to have some sort of terrible disease or if no that's that's for the individual to decide that's that's what the 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 so-called left is arguing about when it comes to um pro-life pro-choice options is that it's up to the individual to decide whether or not the the the, the capabilities of life are great enough for their child to prosper through and like just having this he's painting it as if they just hate life like they just want to abort everything and genocide the human species like ridiculous man stop it like that's that divisive and gatekeeping shit that you're constantly spewing in all of your programs all the time oh i got a little frustrated there um because like people can be pro-life when they choose to be pro-life like i I think the most important thing that in the movie is that she decides. She decides to make her choice and that nobody else influences her in what she decides to do. If you know that the kid's life is going to be cut short in any way or the kid's going to suffer in any way. It's an inherently pro-life film. I mean, this is a It's not a film beating you down saying that if you can see into the future, it's your responsibility not to change it. But the thing is is that it's not necessarily that because the flash forwards are happening while she's speaking to the aliens. She's living her life simultaneously. So, yeah, free will is even in question once that box of perception of time is unlocked. There's a broader discussion to have here on philosophy with the arrival movie than if it's pro-life enough or not a mother making the decision to have a child and give the child the gift of life knowing that suffering for her and her family is going to follow pretty pro-life if you could see your whole life from start to finish would you change things okay finally the florida project so the florida project is not as openly conservative as some of these other films. Now, again, none of the people who made these other films would acknowledge that these films are conservative. They just are. Again, a film with an Academy Award nomination, a Golden Globe nomination. Mm. Unfortunate. I have not seen this one. Uh-oh. I have not seen The Florida Project. Sue me. And reviews like this one from Helen O'Hara. Quote, vibrant and brimming with vitality. This is... I think it, I, I know what it's genu generally about, which is like a... A prostitute and her kid and in most of the movies supposed to be through the kids eyes i did want to i did want to see this the only thing i put it off was because like dramas are pretty hard for me sometimes watching people get stressed out um saying you know that's not to say that it's probably a good movie but i'm gonna get it like a brief brief summary from imdb real quick just to get like the overview of the plot so set over one summer the film follows a precocious six-year-old Mooney as she 
courts mischief and adventure with her ragtag playmates and bonds with her rebellious but caring mother, all while living in the shadows of Walt Disney World. Mm-mm. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that, and I really like William Defoe. I hope he uh, Ben's going to talk about The Lighthouse. That's another good William Defoe movie that came out last year. Empathic toward its subjects, but fiercely critical of the system that victimizes them. And that's actually not what the movie is about. Director Sean Baker was also behind. Uh, kind of, just because the even the IMDb right here says living in the shadows of Walt Disney World. Like she has uh, ragtag playmates, so they're poor, rebellious but caring mother. So I mean, she's probably not doing much of the status quo uh, while living in the shadows of Walt Disney World. So they're not really like going to Disney World, or maybe that is part of the movie. And mom's spending all her money to go there, but uh. It sounds like a movie about poor kids living next to uh, a massive play world for rich people. Behind the transgender film Tangerine, which followed a sex worker on the hunt for his slash hers cheating boyfriend, who's also her pimp. So obviously this is not a conservative person. The Florida Project follows a woman named Haley who lives with her six-year-old daughter. So a conservative person wouldn't write a story about a transgendered person? I wonder why that is. I wonder why. And like I've been trying to think of the the, the name of this episode, whether it's going to be uh, "Life Imitates Conservatism" and "Art con- uh, Imitates Conservatism," or is it uh, "Conservatism Imitates Life" and "Life Imitates Art" or "Art Imitates Life"? One of the two. I don't know what it is yet, but um, I'm just trying to figure out where uh, we can insert conservatism in being the most natural and humanistic way to operate because. I guess that's all we can do to compromise and cooperate and unify. Butter Mooney in a motel catered to the Walt Disney World tourists outside Orlando, Florida. Haley survives largely on welfare. She has pretty much no respect for other people, especially people who cross her. She has an attitude she's passed on to Mooney. I failed as a mother, Mooney. You disgraced me. Yeah, Mom, you're a disgrace. Mooney is mischievous. She influences her friends into tricking strangers into giving her money. She talks back to the adults. She curses. These are all things learned from her mom. And then Willem Dafoe plays the sort of landlord at the motel who ends up trying to act as sort of a quasi-father figure and protect Mooney. The movie is certainly not meant to be a conservative rip on the need for fathers in the home and the need for traditional values and social fabric. But unfortunately for him, that's kind of what the movie is. It may be trying to be a critique of capitalism. It misses. It may be trying. I don't really know. That's unfortunate that I haven't seen the movie, but um, I don't know how big of a role the father figure uh, William Defoe plays. But um, I guess like some like me being on the left, I think moreover, like support is generally more important than necessarily like father figures or mother figures or um, uh, uh, or just a system in general that orders everything economically or democratically or representative republicly. But like the thing that I think is most important for children being raised is that they have a strong, healthy support system, no matter who or what it is doing it because um having unconditional love and basically uh the comfort of opportunity i think a lot of kids are going to thrive in that regardless and i would have to see this movie to understand like where the mom is in this position and how the kid is influenced by mom and how william defoe influences um all of them being the landlord of the motel so i mean I, the only thing is I have to like grant him this point just because like I barely know anything about this movie. So um, him sliding that conservatism in there that the idea that you need strong traditional values and fathers. Um, sure. 
all right sure but the the character i feel like immediately most conservatives with like the protagonist the mom they would probably not like and i don't know whether or not she's a likable character depending on a bunch of the aspects and how the movie portrays her but like um yeah immediately being a welfare mom that isn't doing much for her child and is teaching her the wrong ways to behave um yeah i don't i don't know i don't know what to do with that except for take for ben's word on it trying to be a critique of how we treat the impoverished in our society it misses what the film really is really about in the it. end is how individual bad choices have ramifications for children. And that when you have children, you have to start making better decisions because when you take all of the social institutions and fabric away from children. It's amazing that he's claiming that as like a, yeah, that that's solely a conservative value, like him claiming that as conservatism rather than like people genuinely loving and supporting their children and making sure that they have the best lives possible. That is only a conservative value. Their life is essentially over. They're living in a dream world in which they cannot escape the nightmare, right? This is, the, the movie's basically about the fallout of having kids without fathers in the home. It's about the, the fallout from not acting well, even if you do have responsibilities to your own child, that when you don't have traditional family values, things fall apart incredibly quickly. The film was well-regarded by the critics. Willem Dafoe actually got a nomination. For See, and I don't know 100% sure. That sucks that I haven't seen this movie. I'm sorry, guys. For best actor at the Golden Globes and the Academy Awards, and the film is good. The film also happens to be a complete referendum on bad behavior by parents who don't think beyond the next five seconds. We're talking And parents who think beyond five seconds are definitely conservative. I think he's doing an ad. He is doing an ad. Is it over? Nope. Hold on. Oh, just laying claim on values as to be solely conservative. I don't know if it's meant to get people in time, like convincing uh like already conservatives to convince others that there's conservative values here. And it's, I, I'm not really sure what the aim is here, but there's just a lot of laying claim on values um, that I don't think can be solely just conservative. Purchase. There are lots of films that we have not discussed here that have even more openly conservative themes, right? Dark Knight Rises is an obvious one. Lord of the Rings. How is Dark Knight Rises an obvious one? How is Lord of the Rings... Another obvious one. Films are very conservative. Death of Stalin is very conservative. I can't believe that any of the people who made those films are actually openly conservative. They're not. So why do filmmakers in Hollywood keep making films with conservative themes that contradict their actual political ideology? And why do liberals in Hollywood keep responding to the conservative themes? Well, here is the thing. When you look at the structure of story, story is inherently bent toward conservatism. Why? Because it has to contrast virtue with non-virtue. So start what? with the Aristotelian idea of the tragic hero. The tragic hero... No, because then he's claiming that every story throughout time before conservatism was ever even thought of is that no, no, no. It's always been no. You can't do that, man. He just basically even tried to claim every story that's ever been conceived because it has to be virtue against non-virtue. When That's not solely conservative values. That's been in societies and cultures well beyond the existence of America or representative republics. I am, wow. Wow. ...who's a feature in nearly every piece of content for thousands of years is a person of virtue who has a tragic flaw. The tragic flaw is exploited and the hero falls. The basic idea there is a couple of things. One, you have a person who actually is virtuous, right? There is a difference between acting virtuously and not acting virtuously. Then yeah, because those the are, I, I hate when he does that. There's, an, uh, there's a difference between virtue and non-virtue. Yeah, they're, they're polars, they're opposite of each other. That's what they're, yeah. 
Yeah, Ben. Has a flaw in his virtue. That flaw leads to his downfall because the world is a fair and just place in which flaws, tragic as they may be, end up condemning and consigning people to bad fates. Right? So there are inherent values in story. More colloquially and more, more commonly, people in the entertainment industry. How does Ben honestly believe that there, like, without conservatism, there is no values? Like, people don't value things unless there's conservatism to be the guiding light of it. We tend to circulate around the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell. He wrote a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, in which he laid out what he thought was sort of the mythic structure. And Joseph Campbell has a bit of controversy around him, um, but my favorite writer and... Um, I don't know. He's also has some controversy around him, but Dan Harmon is basically heavily influenced by Joseph Campbell and Joseph Campbell has some close ties to Carl Jung. And of course, both of them have been uh, co-opted by Jordan Peterson for a lot of his uh, lectures. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go from a Dan Harmon frame of reference, mainly because I've done a lot more Harmontown than Jordan Peterson lectures. And this is present in nearly every film. The one that most famously it is present in is Star Wars, right? The entire Star Wars Episode four is rooted in the. I mean, that was like that was Joseph Campbell's like essential. Uh, like that's the one he would always bring up too. Is that this is actually the perfect structure of a uh, hero story? But Ben claiming the hero story as a uh, conservative thing can't have it without conservatism. No, no, the story of Gilgamesh. Like no, no, the story of Gilgamesh even has the the whole story structure in it. So the hero's journey in it. So no, you can't have it. No, like it's not a conservative value. It's a human value. The hero's journey. There are a bunch of steps along this way that are inherently conservative. Again, in order to have heroes, you have to have villains. In order to have heroes and villains, you have to have values. So the idea of a moral relativism in which there is no right and there is no wrong, and we have to understand every side of the story and every side of the story inherently is kind of, like, that is boring. Nobody's no, it's not because uh, guess what's been happening? Like, look at um, uh, the Avengers: Infinity War. Like, it tried to understand a perspective of Thanos's way, even though his outcome was basically fifty percent genocide. So, um, no, no. Like, the, the films have been progressing and blurring the lines between hero and villain, and we have a lot of movies such as Joker where we're celebrating anti-villains or I mean anti-heroes in our movies. So, Ben, no. No, you're losing grip, man. You're, you're holding on conservatives so tight that you're losing grip of actual reality and culture. Like, no. He's all that interested in it, and it doesn't work on film. Then there Deadpool. is the, the problem in, <laughs> in all storytelling of free will. X-Men First Class got like really deep into Magneto's uh, story so that you could understand where Magneto is coming from. He may not be right. You may not agree with him, but movies have been diving into villain stories heavily and making us sympathize with them even more. And another thing to bring up is The Last of Us 2, which I haven't played yet, but I've heard enough about and Andrew Clavin from The Daily Wire covered, is that they didn't like that they had to play the villain in that story, even though the villain is questionable of whether or not they're actually the villain just because we were so attached to Ellie and um oh oh sh oh no it starts with a J fuck oh man I forgot his name the protagonist from Last of Us 1 and 2 oh this is cringe oh man I can't remember his name but he dies in Last of Us Part 2 because of consequences that he did that we didn't necessarily in Last of Us Part 1, but took place in that timeline. And it consequences, karma, value, right? 
balance, life, justice. Was she justified in killing, uh, oh, I almost had his name, Jonah? Oh god, dude, this is killing me. This is bad. This is very bad. Joel, god, dude, oh. Cringe. Um, she kills Joel, because Joel killed her father. Is that necessarily justice? In a post-apocalyptic world, are we supposed to wait for, uh, um... Uh, due process or is there a new justice system placed forward or is it even reduced back to eye for an eye haven't played the game haven't gotten the ability to really dive deep into that philosophical rabbit hole but like of course of course just claiming this is conservative this is mine this is mine this is mine this represents me it's gatekeeping it's gatekeeping it's a very unique form of it turns out that the most boring type of story is one in which you know what is going to happen at the end of the story. And in fact, it is going to happen no matter what the hero does because the hero is not in control. One of the key elements of the hero's journey is that the hero has to take control of his own life, right? He has a hero's journey, a hero's arc, in which he goes from somebody who doesn't want to be involved to somebody. I don't like that he's not explaining the hero's journey. There's like 12 stages in it. Um, Dan Harmon's is a little bit different. He made his more for television, but it's still good. Um, so usually you have the call to adventure, supernatural aid, uh, a threshold with guardians, uh, another threshold beginning transformation. So basically thresholds being challenges. And then, yeah, well... Yeah, you basically have to overcome these barriers. They're not challenges, they're barriers. So you have to basically evolve and then come the challenges. And uh, what is that? Temptations? Challenges and temptations. And then after that, you must go into revelation, which is the abyss, the unknown, death and rebirth. And then after that is transformation, atonement. And then you return, gift of the goddess. And um, even... Uh, it's not even just Jesus Christ's story, but like his story is modeled around this storytelling as is, uh, the Egyptian, oh God, I, I have such a bad memory, man, but it's, it's, it's a story structure as old as stories. So making claim on it as a conservative value is just an easy way to claim almost every story as conservative. Who not only is thrust into involvement, but becomes the active participant in his own story, that person is going to have to overcome obstacles. If the obstacles are overcome for him, he's not the hero. If the hero is just faced with a villain and then the villain collapses because other people from society force that person to back down, the hero is not a hero. The hero is now a passive participant in their own story. Every movie that you see that has a hero overcoming obstacles, that is about a person who is acting with some form of durability and integrity in the world. Hey, these are all conservative values. They do not hold up to, to... Conservatives do value those things, but they are not simply born out of the thought bubble that is conservatism. No. Like, human beings have had that as uh, virtues for a very long time. Uh, yeah, so, no. Stop. Stop. Left-wing scrutiny. In fact, even the most left-wing films you've seen oh my are built along these lines. Even ones that are overtly left-wing are built along the lines of there is some oppressor who is trying to stop the hero from being free... And now the hero must stand up for himself and or for somebody else. They have to stand up for somebody else. Now, yeah, conservatives don't stand up for everyone. They mainly usually stand up for cis, straight, white, 
Christian males. Like, it's not everyone. Like, it's pretty obvious that Ben doesn't stand up for everyone and fight for everyone's right. There can be left-wing ideas that are pushed using this sort of conservative formula. You see this in film. All the- see that? The conservative formula. No, dude. The hero's journey. No. I'm just going to say it. No. 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 You cannot make claim to something that is way, way older than conservatism in America or conservatism in any representative republic. No. No. The time. But if you're trying to tell an apolitical film, one that is openly left-wing, very often you'll see these sort of conservative messages seeping in. So how's it open? Oh, see, like even that's dumb. Like how is it openly left-wing if it's apolitical? Apolitical means you have no side. In fact, you are probably abstaining from politics. Like I don't know, an American Pie movie, and yet somehow that's liberal because it's about teenagers having sex, but they're legal. Oh, but it's before marriage. <laughs> Go back to the original examples. If you're looking at a Quiet Place, the challenge of this family is to survive and to propagate to the next generation. You have to protect them. Yeah, but it's not at any greater need of a nation or of the species themselves. It's an individual choice and an individual's feeling. So like, come mm. Promise me. You will protect them. If mom decided to have an abortion, she and dad are not the heroes anymore. She and dad are just victims of the situation. If you go back- but guess what happens at the end of Quiet Place that Ben Shapiro's not bringing up here is that John Krasinski's character dies, leaving them, you guessed it, fatherless with a brand new baby. Is that a conservative value? A fatherless f- single mother raising, I think now three kids? Is that, is, is that, con- is that conservative value? Because it sounds like matriarchy to me rather than patriarchy. That's how the movie ends. That's it. Done. Go back to Arrival. If the heroine of the story knows that she is going to have a child, the child is going to suffer and die, but she decides not to go through with it, then she's no longer the heroine of the story. She's just somebody who's a victim of circumstance. It is the challenges in life that cause us to rise above the challenges in life, right? That is the power of the myth. That is the power of the story. And like he always said, he just repeats himself too. It's the challenge of life to overcome the challenges of life. (laughs) To do so with virtue. And so all of that has to be upheld in, in, in story structure. And that is why you see so many films that are purportedly left-wing that actually are not as left-wing as the creators would want them to be. And if they ever figured this out, then they would be a lot less insulting about conservatism considering that virtually all of the hallmarks of the films that they make are rooted in conservative ideas about the world, about morality, about decency, No, this was an entire segment of Ben Shapiro claiming human values as conservative values. No, that's it. That's no, that's not what's happening. People have values and it doesn't necessarily always relate to an ideology or a political party. So no, Ben, no. And they're not going to stop criticizing you guys when you constantly try to ban refugees and asylum seekers. About self-controlling free will. I want to know what you guys think. All right. And I, I got off what I what I think, and that's going to be it. That was horrible. That was horrible. Watching him take claim on human values and say they're solely conservative, it's just, it's ghoulish. Um, follow me on that twit, at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D, YouTube channel. This is here, there. Watch that. Do it. Uh, go watch Arrival. Um, it's really good. Yeah, Quiet Place is pretty good. I'm going to go watch uh, Dark Knight Rises and try to figure out exactly how conservative it is. And uh, I thank you for joining me. Uh, I think that's going to be up.
de doop de dup I gotta hit that, where that music at? Oh yeah, bud. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> 